guys hello how are we doing hope you missed us we're back at it again yes welcome back this is our episode this now is our our 13th episode so i'm happy 13 is one of my lucky numbers we've reached a personal milestone in numerology alex i have a confession to make oh so obviously guys last week assuming you listened to our taylor swift episode if you haven't go back and listen it's actually quite interesting but so for people who know Taylor Swift's like big whole deal is over the number 13 she's mad about it and we were like oh if only this had been like lucky number 13 and then it would have been our Taylor Swift episode I was going through our episodes there a few days ago one of them was mislabeled (gasps) this is actually our 14th episode and last week was episode 13 and I wanted to wait to tell you till now to see your reaction oh my god so that means our Taylor Swift episode was episode 13 it was oh my god it was written in the stars it was written in the stars the universe is wild it is crazy it has all these threads and sometimes they just all pull together exactly so kismet everything aligned but yes i thought you'd like that little fun fact about our episodes okay well then i guess guys welcome to our 14th episode who would have thunk alex that we got that we would have gotten here i know it feels like a lot more though i always feel like it feels like we do like we've done tons of episodes and obviously 14 is a a lot of episodes but it's not like you know crazy amounts but I f- sometimes feel like we've done a lot of episodes I know I get that but I'm I'm happy that like we're still going I think it's because like guys for all of you who don't know us on a personal level this is just how Alex and I talk pretty much all the time about general things so this is just us recording our conversations so probably that's why Al you feel that we have been doing more episodes because this is just our general chat mm, very true so we will pick up where we left off from our last episode with some Taylor Swift news. I know everyone's probably like, oh, Taylor Swift. But like, let's face it, she's pretty much one of the biggest names in the world. Never mind just music, just in general, Taylor Swift's name, her image, everything about her is just very much up for discussion by pretty much everyone. And she's in the news again this week for a slightly more kind of it's very a grey issue I would call it it's not as clean cut as maybe we would like it to be we don't know everything that we need to know but um, yeah we're just going to dive straight on in okay let's run down the facts that we know Yes. so basically it was announced on Sunday that Big Machine Label Group which was Taylor's initial label which signed her I think she was like 15 when they first signed her and she was with them up until November of last year and she left and it was kind of a very strange, it was like kind of came out of the blue because I think everyone just kind of assumed she was going to stick with this label who had backed her from early on and who was well able to kind of promote her and had all the budget and all issues like financially with kind of maintaining the pop juggernaut that is Taylor Swift's career now. There was no, no issues there. Everything seemed to be okay. And then all of a sudden Taylor announced that she was leaving and she was going to go to Universal, which is a much bigger music label than big machine label, but whatever. So she leaves, and basically when she leaves, she's not given the masters to her tracks, which basically means that she doesn't own the music that she produced for big machine label group. So when she leaves, she knows that it's eventually going to be sold, because that's kind of what the idea is, that you kind of make money off these artists that way. So she knew this was going to happen. It's then announced on Sunday she releases this big, huge, long Tumblr post, which it's been a while since we had a, a Tumblr post from Taylor. And it basically is chronicling 
the purchasing of her masters by none other than Scooter Braun. Scooter Braun is probably the most well-known musical manager in the business. He manages Justin Bieber, Ariana Grande, Kanye West, um, kind of more, some of those like more up-and-coming people, but he's a big time player. He's like a big name in the music industry, if not the biggest in the music industry on the side of kind of the labels. So he's purchased all of Taylor's masters, which means that he makes money basically from when you listen to her on Spotify or if you purchase them again now, he will then make money off that. This is controversial, not only because, for two reasons, basically. First reason is for who he represents. So Justin Bieber and Taylor Swift have had issues before. Um, Bieber posted this kind of like really, like kind of weirdly like douchey Instagram picture um, of him and Kanye and it was this whole thing. And then obviously Kanye West, who is also managed by Scooter, we don't need to go into that whole can <laughs> of worms. Like that's like that literally that whole thing like literally goes on for like 10 years. And Taylor basically came out and was like she, that she was never given the chance to buy her masters, which she thought was unfair. And um, that of all the people that I can't remember. Oh, yes. The guy who runs um, Big Machine. I can't, I'm saying it right. Yeah, Big Machine Label Group. Borchetta yeah. is his second name. Apparently him and Taylor were like fairly close friends when they were working together. What, like, you know, it was fairly amicable, their split. But she was aware that he was going to sell her masters because again, that's kind of just a given. But she was, she's really upset that it was to this guy who she has claimed both himself and his clients basically bullied her for years. And it sparked this whole controversy now with everyone pretty much in, involved, who's involved in music has an opinion on this situation because she's saying that she wasn't given the opportunity to buy either the record label in general or just her masters back they she was offered when in november before she left the label she was offered that for every label for every sorry for every every album she released on big machine label they would give her back one of her old albums if that makes any sense so she would release say for example lover the new album which comes out in august when she released that she would gain the rights to her first album and yeah. then she would have to keep going on until she eventually, like, say, six albums later, she had all 12 albums and she owned all the masters to them. And she didn't like that idea, so she left. And now she works for Universal, who, when she makes um, this new album, she owns all the rights to that album. She owns all the rights to her imagery. Everything about it, she owns it all, which is a very Taylor Swift thing. It's, a, it's like it's a strange thing to me that that wasn't in her initial contract. But again, this was signed when she was 15. So she's clearly outgrown it. But it sparked this big, huge controversy because it got Scooter Braun's wife was involved on Twitter. Um, you had Pink, you had Sia got involved. Bieber then got involved. Like Literally everyone who's in any way contact. The only person who hasn't gotten involved, thankfully, from, from my point of view, is Ariana, who's kind of just stayed silent on the whole thing and just let it blow over. But basically we're in the situation now where Taylor Swift wasn't given the option to buy her own music and it's now been purchased by someone who she apparently has very deep personal issues with so i it's just all a hugely interesting case of events to be honest because first of all there's like people giving out about particular musicians not getting involved in the fight and it's just like that for me i'm like oh my god people like there's so much going on why do you want to include more people and then say for instance like i'm also very glad that ariana hasn't gotten involved because the poor thing has been through enough as it is and it's and she has an incredibly close relationship with her manager that is like Everyone knows that. If what if if you're not an Ariana fan, I'd be surprised if you didn't know that. Like she she's the reason why I know who Scooter Braun is, even though he's been involved with other people since before Ariana. And the whole case of events is just partially mind-boggling and then also just very fascinating. So say for instance, 
agreeing with you here that the fact it's mad that it was never in her contract before that she didn't have essentially the deal that she has with Universal but then as you said she was 15 like what was she to know like for all she knew she's like oh yeah I'm just getting signed this is the best day of my life and she's not going to look at the repercussions down the line I'm more just surprised that it took her as long as it did to leave Big Machine now I don't know if it was that she had to have like a a minimum uh, well it would have been longer than a 10 year contract because she's 29 now so yeah, I'm kind of wondering, I wonder what took her so long to leave Big Machine knowing that that was her contract. Yeah, I think it's definitely maybe something that with the like streaming age, I think with the whole, remember when she like withheld 1989 from um, Spotify and such, I think it's maybe a sort of new age thing. Owning the rights to your own music is obviously an important to pass it to all artists. But I think especially now in this kind of streaming age where re- literally streaming is number one, like you're artists especially like look Taylor Swift knows like Taylor Swift is a business the name is a business the music is all to do with business like it's very businessy and I think now you don't make as much money from streams and stuff and I think in order to like make as much money or if not more you kind of need to own the rights to the music that you've written and also like you are the creator of that you probably should inherently own it you know what I mean like, like she, it's almost like she was being commissioned to write albums for Big Machine which is a strange kind of way of looking at people producing and releasing albums I think it's ridiculous that she doesn't own the masters personally. I think it is despicable for any artist to not fully own their own work. I can understand entirely why it is that a label would retain the rights. Like, cause obviously like they're trying to make money and it's the easiest way for them to make money and the most logical way for them to make money. But it's just the fact then even that when they were selling her masters that they didn't go straight to her being like, hi, we're selling these. They are yours, so you get first pick of the bunch, to be honest. That is mind-boggling to me. Well, see, this is where everything gets extra grey, because Taylor is proposing that she was never offered the chance, she was never given the opportunity to purchase her own work back, which sounds silly to say, but this is the reality of it. Whereas Big Machine are actually saying that they did offer to offer her own masters back to Taylor, obviously at a price and it's just this whole it's very convoluted and it's we don't know all the facts like Taylor's dad is on the board of directors for Big Machine Label it's all very strange like if I'm honest I don't know where I'm falling on this because look we have seen a tendency in Taylor to paint herself out as the victim where maybe she actually isn't as much of the victim as she would like you to think that she is and there could be elements of that and maybe was she given the opportunity to buy it and then she kind of was like mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it was like happened really quickly and they're now those masters are owned by scooter i don't know but i totally agree that you know this girl has slaved away on these songs has written these songs has composed these songs has been involved in producing these songs and for her not to own them is almost funny it's almost kind of like like it's it's a strange working of capitalism that an artist who's producing these things as independently as taylor does it like she gets a lot of help obviously but she writes all her own songs she plays a lot of the instruments she's like literally she's not involved in the band it's just taylor swift and for her not to own the things that she has created is wrong it is entirely and i do find it very amusing the whole gray area around this because i've read so many articles online trying to catch up as to what's happening because like so much has happened in less than a week it's kind of crazy but I've read articles from particular news sites where they're trying to get in lawyers that can explain some of the melodrama of it all. Like, so they would go to uh, lawyers that work specifically within the music industry. And it's 
it's just kind of crazy the fact that like even they're trying to explain it and they're like oh well like this is what it actually says legally but then there's the he said she said so it's very convoluted so i'm trying to even wonder do big machine and taylor even really know what's happening at the moment because it all seems to be there seems to be a lot of hearsay and it's just it's confusing and i feel bad for both parties because like taylor more so but also like big machine they are really just doing their job you know yeah, I think that, and look, there is none of this that is illegal in any way. These were all legally purchased. Like everything was done above board. What Taylor has the issue with is that who they ended up going to. I think she feels like a little bit like. Betrayed. Yeah, exactly. I feel like she thinks she's been betrayed a little bit. And whether that's warranted or not, it's an interesting position for her to like. I think Taylor's always very aware of her public image, whether negatively or positively. I think she's always very aware. I think she has to bring on the pulse and whether or not those things that she does to counteract whichever way her kind of popularity is swinging come off right or not. She is aware of her social standing. And I think she just kind of maybe started to wash off that whole Kanye West snaky type of vibe. And then we're back into this. It's more drama. And it's to me, it's interesting because from like I'm asking myself now has she learned from previous experiences where maybe you do all this in private or is this a big enough deal and is she really being honest with her telling of it that she feels comfortable enough putting herself out there and putting herself back out in this sort of like beef do you know what I'm trying to say like I feel like is she it, she must be comfortable enough to fight this fight or she just hasn't learned from her past experiences Yes. What is I know I keep saying interesting, but I just I find the whole the whole series of events very interesting. It's when I was reading an article about like the legality of an, of everything and the process in like that Taylor is taking towards this and her approach and everything. The lawyer in question now, I don't know if they were being biased or not, but they were commending what she was doing because they were saying that bringing this about publicly is the best thing that you can do because it is a way of scaring people away from the sales of the masters because for instance now i can't remember what date it is that this article was from so i don't know if scooter has already bought the masters but they were saying for her to publicly bring this about so that pretty much the whole internet and a lot of just the regular world know what is going on it'll hopefully discourage whoever wants to buy her masters because it's going to be this massive ridicule over it then but if she was to t- take this privately and if she was to, you know, fight the label, it could take minimum 10 years for her to to get anything back. Um, if she was to follow copyright law, say, for instance, like Steve Perry did with Journey, it took him 35 years to get back the ownership of his own music. So the lawyer, whichever lawyer it was, could have been more, were commending her for taking this decision because it legally is the easiest way because... It means that it's not a minimum decade, year long journey of taking back her own her own music. Yeah, I would like look. I think just if we're gonna put a little bow on this, from my perspective, I'm like, give the woman her music back, is or at least give the woman the chance now to buy her music back off you, and let's just put this all to bed. Exactly. And like Scooter, you are a mastermind when it comes to the music industry. Like you have such successful clients, but you should have known better when it came to this situation. I would agree. But also, you know, if he if it's just a business opportunity, 
he is going to make money from owning these masters. And that's, you know, this is like, I, if I'm him, I think you just weather the storm for, you know, a couple more weeks and then it'll all die down, you hope, I guess. Because like we said, it, this was all done legally. Taylor's taking issue with the fact that she's proposing that she didn't get the opportunity to buy them herself. But then Big Machine are saying that they gave her every opportunity to do so. So it's just this whole thing. But I think, yeah, I think we're both on the same page in that the artist that created those works, i.e. Taylor, should at least be given first dibs. And if that's not how it went down, well, then maybe now, retrospectively, we can do that. Yeah, exactly. So as I feel that we always tend to go to with our conversations with these type of things, Al, people just need to live and learn. Learn being the most important part to this situation. But basically, I thought the video was brilliant. What did you think? Yeah, I loved it. I think... I'm more here for more my okay, so I think I told this said this last time when we reviewed um She is Coming, the EP, that I was like super into Miley Cyrus when she first kind of went a bit rogue and then bangers happened and I was a fan, but like the music wasn't really to my taste and then Younger Now was a bit like meh. But this I'm so on board with this as an era. The music video is I think great. It's a great pop music video. It's like probably fairly low budget, which I always think is great, but one thing I could never take away from Miley Cyrus is the stage presence and her ability to work a stage, but also in this case, a camera is almost second to none. The charisma that she gives you is like, and I watched her at Glastonbury as well. And it was literally, she's so charismatic. It pulls everything off. So the image, like the imagery in the video is obviously very kind of much an impairment of female sexuality. You get a lot of, like she looks at things that people like and media in large would never look at like, like breastfeeding or like sanitary towels are in there and she kind of comments on like the backwards abortion laws that are coming through into America and all, but not even that just like aesthetically and the kind of color palette of it all is just gorgeous. And she kind of harkens back to Britney. She's wearing this kind of red latex cat suit and she's kind of contorting herself on the floor and it's all this great thing. It, the cat suit actually features this kind of like, I think now we might move on to another big time female pop star who released a new video this week, Miley Cyrus. I know. So as like the women, they're taking over at the moment, to be honest, I'm kind of here for it. It's, well, I don't say kind of, I am fully here for it. <laughs> but yeah, so for people who might not remember, we did like a little breakdown of the EP that she released last month. And so the single that's being led from it is Mother's Daughter. Not my favorite song in the world, but like good beat. F- a few like fun lyrics in there. Swish swish motherfucker is like an iconic line. An iconic line. Um swish swish motherfucker. Um, it's the way she says it. It's so Yeah, funny. she does say it. I I'm just gonna interject there in that and I fucking love the song. I love that EP. I think when I first listened to it, we had maybe recorded on I think that might have been a week we recorded on like a Friday, so we literally didn't have very long to listen to it. But now I'm fully obsessed with it. Like I think that like musically Okay, here's the thing with Miley. I'm a little bit kind of, I find her kind of irritating sometimes, but with this whole era, I'm so on board, like so on board. So I love the, vid- I love the music, but I also love the video. So you don't really like the song, but did you like the video? I did. I thought the video was brilliant. She is a fantastic artist when it comes to visuals. She really understands what it is that she's trying to present. I've found that with pretty much all of her videos, she has a very good eye for like not just like visual representation or you know going for like iconization and stuff like that she's just she she's she's a smart woman 
that goes past her music like she she's very well-rounded it's kind of like what we were saying with taylor last week like has very good vision for what she wants with her music and i think that she kind of like blew it out not blew it out of the park kicked it out of the park hit it out of the park i don't mm. home run you know what i'm going for i don't do sports metaphors sports metaphors teeth like kind of sharp crotch area which is kind of interesting and very Miley Cyrus as well so like she like harkens back to all these things and I'm just so here for I think it's gorgeously shot I think she looked amazing the song is a 10 for me like I haven't seen her nail something as much as she's nailing this era for me at least I have to agree as far as era goes I think it is such a happy medium of her past two albums because I was not here for bangers like just wasn't wasn't the type of music that I listened to younger now then for me was like my kind of music so now I love the fact that she's marrying like true pop with the kind of country pop elements that she has to herself as well depending on which song you're going for so just from the EP alone it was a triumph and I'm totally here for it and the way how she's been marketing all of her promo and everything it has been fantastic so when I saw the teaser for this video for Mother's Daughter I was kind of like Mm, um, are we going back to bangers a bit like in a kind of in a oh hate to use the word but like in a trashy way because that for me kind of was the bangers era and then I was just like a bit dubious and when I watched the video I was like oh so happy I was wrong because going past the point of like she is all about the representation and she's got women of every shape size color and of various sexualities and various like various points on the LGBT scale which is amazing I'm all here for it which is fantastic and then even as you said they're like she's an incredibly charismatic performer like she was born to perform mm-hmm. and you can just you, you can see that just from yeah just the single cam- camera work when it's just her on the floor like writhing around doing bits and it's just beyond entertaining like you, you're, you're immersed into the videos she's so 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 clever and I do love even the simple part there's like there's just this one like 20 second bit where she's just sitting on a love seat with her mom. And it's the point where she's like, um, my mom always told me to go for it. So I did broke my back for this. And it's just, so it's a nice nod to like kind of the momager role that she says that her mom had, but it's just, I don't know. It's, it's all about female empowerment and I love it. And it's touching on so many different political messages and a lot of different social messages. And she's just incredibly clever as a person. So for me, the reason why I'm not mad into the song and why it's probably like a seven on my scale, I think that the lyrics are a bit like, eh, at times. Sometimes they're fantastic, but like, I'm not big into the like, I'm a crocodile, I'm a piranha. I'm like, okay, right, that's a bit basic. <laughs> <laughs> but she, like, she knocked it out of the park for the video. Like she really redeemed the song for me with the video. Good. I'm glad she did because I think I can. It isn't like the song isn't a very you song anyway. It is probably it leans more to that kind of bangers side of things than maybe a younger now side. But yeah, I just think she's really. I I'm so impressed, and I hope she keeps it up. And I hope she keeps going. And even like she seems to be like my issue with Molly was that she always was woke or at least appeared to be woke, but she wasn't very good at expressing herself in the most. And I keep using the word likable, and I don't like I don't like that word. But she was she I think struggled with maybe how she used to come across. I remember when she did she kind of did a little bit of a speech at the One Love Manchester concert that Ariana Grande organised with the help of Scooter Braun, funnily enough. But um, I remember she did this kind of speech, and it was just very. I think she stands she steps on a lot of people's toes, and it can come across a little bit grating and sort of, or at least to me anyway, a little bit kind of. I don't know, not forced, but like she's very loud. So if you ever hear her talk, she doesn't, 
like she talks kind of like this she talks up here and she's like yeah which is okay you're on the stage it makes sense but it can <laughs> it can kind of sometimes come across a bit like shouty and a bit sort of like obnoxious i get obnoxious is the word i can use she can come across a little bit obnoxious sometimes and it's not by nate like i don't think she's an obnoxious person i don't think she's trying to be obnoxious i just think somehow her delivery gets a bit convoluted and it gets a bit kind of like the wires get crossed and it comes out as such but i think now recently she's maybe calmed herself down a little bit she's obviously more mature she's probably hopefully more kind of educated in all these issues that she likes to get you know kind of her self involved with and i think it's just across the board everything is like plus 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 for miley cyrus at the moment at least yes she came through she delivered and yeah i'm, I'm here for it very here for it i'm here for her festival run i'm yeah Happy with it. Good woman, Miley. Good woman, Miley. Good woman yourself. So speaking of good women (laughs) and (laughs) questionable women and all sorts of women and the same with the men, we are going to discuss what is now one of my favorite topics on this planet. Guys, I've been converted to Love Island. (laughs) (laughs) I told you. I feel like everyone's always like, when they hear I watch it, I think people are kind of shocked because... It probably isn't my, like, my, it, like, now I've, I used to love reality TV, but, like, Love Island thing, people think it's really trashy and not, but it's not trash, like, I don't know, maybe, actually, you can tell us, or I don't think it's trashy at all. As someone who has watched a lot of reality TV, I think people think it's, like, a Georgie Shore type of vibe, and it's not that vibe at all. It's very well produced. It's well shot. The, even the soundtracking is, I always think the soundtracking is so good. Like, I, oh, I'm so happy that you like it. Yes. So, for... People who don't remember, Alex and I discussed Love Island like two or three episodes ago and I was saying how I didn't watch it because like there was a couple of reasons. Now, I do enjoy reality TV. I watched like, I don't even know what series number they got to in the end, Jordy Shore, but like I watched at least half of it. And then like obviously would dip into Big Brother every now and again. I'm a celeb. One of my favorite things about December is I'm a celeb. And so like I do invest in reality TV. The only thing for me that I find difficult with reality TV is how like it's it's every day. It's every day and I don't have time to watch it every day and I don't always remember. So if you miss like two episodes, you've missed so much. So I tend to just give up. So that was kind of my whole Love Island reaction and I was like, "Oh my god, it's every evening. I can't deal with this continuity. That's just too much for me." But I kind of knew I was going to like it. So it was last week I was with a friend and we were on a trip and the morning after so she had it recorded and we watched it and I was like oh my god this is incredible and she was like in my ear telling me who everyone was and like their relationship history and stuff so it was so comprehensive because it's such a comprehensive like show because all they're doing is like coupling up and seeing if they can make it and like last and as Alex said it's not trashy at all for people to think it is I think it's because when you hear Love Island and you hear the premise of it I think a lot of people are just going to assume that they're all going to be riding on TV and that it's going to be a very Geordie Shore Jersey Shore type of thing of like these these people living together who don't know each other that well and then it's just going to be fighting all the time or people pissing in sinks or like drinks getting thrown all over the gaff and that's not it at all. It's actually incredibly wholesome. Yeah, it's definitely like, obviously, like there there is sex and there's elements of those type of things. But it's not to the extreme and to the, like, you see them drinking, but there's never been anyone getting sick or any of that type of stuff. Like, it's not, it's, I've, it's a very well-controlled show. So I feel like let's just dive right into specifics. I want to hear your thoughts. Now, full disclosure, Laura <laughs> hasn't seen the latest episode, but we're just going to talk about it anyway, like she has. So... Let me hear your thoughts on Amber versus Michael. I want to know what you think. 
Okay, so this is what I find very interesting because now I feel like people are going to come for me over this. However, I think this is also just, I'm going to give a little preamble to this. I think my opinions are also hindered on the fact that I haven't watched this since the beginning. So I Mm. haven't seen all of Amber's and Michael's relationship. I have known of their relationship. I've been told of their relationship and can understand why it is that he went for Joanna. Because from what I'd heard, Amber, like I didn't realize that there was such a huge age gap and she is still very much trying to mature. She sounds very immature at times and her reactions to things. Just this again is just what I've been told of the relationship. So when he found Joanna, like someone who's, you know, older, a bit more mature, and he was identifying the whole, oh, well, like I wouldn't be standing for these things outside of here. And I don't know if I want to keep keep up this kind of facade that I have with Amber. Whereas with Joanna, he's like feeling like he was more of himself and that he could actually have a proper relationship with her and that that maybe what he has with her is something that he'd have outside of the villa. So for me, in my eyes, I'm like, well, yeah, that's all fair and justifiable. Like you went in to find someone that you could actually be with, which is the whole premise of Love Island. I know that there's a whole 50 grand at the end, but like you are also looking for like a legitimate relationship. And it it just, he just didn't fully click with Amber. Like it just wasn't fully there. So do I kind of wish that there could have been a better way of Amber finding out that he was with someone new? But at the same time, they're in two different houses. He can't just send a text being like, hey, sorry, you're going to be in for quite a shock when you get here. I <laughs> don't really see an issue with what he did personally. And I feel people are going to read me for filth over that. But that's just how I see it. I think the recoupling itself, I think, look, it's a, it is, it's a reality TV show. It's a game show. You know, people play games. You know, that girl comes in, Joanna, and he fancies her and he thinks he gets on better with her. So I can kind I like, look, all those choices he makes, I think you can just justify by it being Love Island. My, where I start to get an issue is that when Amber left, they were fine. They were perfect. They were good. And they were literally everyone's favorite couple. And we were like, okay, they're going to win because, you know, they were just very, like, I don't know, everyone was just very here for them. And they seemed to work very well. And then all of a sudden, it was like this new Michael appeared where, when Amber left, and he's making it sound like it's a good thing, that this is the real him, which, like, you know, across the board, maybe, you know, it's good that when people are themselves, but unless you're a bit of a dick, then maybe you should try and hide that a little bit more. And I feel like this kind of douchey, like, side of him came out where he was like, he literally didn't care that he had spent these four weeks with this girl and she wasn't here with him like there is a respectful way of doing it and I don't think you know getting into bed with this girl kissing this girl in bed and then standing there with her after recoupling and smiling at Amber and thinking that was it, like you know that like given that she can't that she couldn't laugh at him but he she could he could stand there and laugh at her even though he was the one that's just after kind of fucking her over to me is one a sign of like kind of this kind of male like entitlement that we come across pretty much in everyday lives. But also I, the way that he's been arguing it to me is so ridiculous. This whole like, okay, look, Amber is very young. She is hotheaded. She is immature and she can be childish, but use some different words, Michael. I literally, I swear to God, if I had heard the words overlooked or what else did he kept saying the same words over and over again, he couldn't like childish, pathetic. It was like three words. He just kept saying over and over and over and over again. And I'm like, leave, like, shut up. Like, you're after making your decision now. Be happy with your decision. You're after being a bit of a douche in that you've kind of basically cheated on this girl that you were with. 
whether or not you want to recouple, you can recouple, but not actually have done anything with this girl. Do you know what I mean? Like if you've, like, I think the really nice thing to do would have been like, actually, okay, Joanna, we are really well matched and I actually do want to couple up with you, but we're not going to do anything until I uncouple with Amber because I owe her that much at least. That to me is how that should have gone down. And that's not how it went down. And then for him to turn around and then sort of criticize Amber just as a character, just in general, she wasn't even there, but he was dragging her to Joanna. He was dragging her to anyone who would, that would listen. And then she's come back in and then somehow made it about her being immature, even though she, I think, reacted very maturely to what he had just done to her. Those are very fair points, particularly the whole Joanna one in fairness. I do agree with that, that he could have been like, look, I do actually want to couple up with you in the recoupling. But considering that myself and Amber have been together pretty much since the get go, I owe her more than this. That is very fair. Like, I suppose I definitely have a very much narrowed view on it because I've literally been watching it a week. So I haven't seen everything unfold. I haven't seen the ins and outs of people's relationships. So it's good for me to hear this perspective because I obviously don't know it. I just think, oh, like it's it's good television. And I feel it's ba- great television. And I feel bad saying that because people are getting hurt. So it kind of makes me feel a bit like an asshole. But like it is undeniably entertaining. So a very similar situation, I suppose. Well, I suppose can we call it? We'll discuss in a second whether we'll call it similar or not. Is the Anna Ovi Jordan triangle? So Anna went obviously to Castle Moore. I met Ovi, and Ovi was like coming in, and he was gearing up. He was ready for Anna. He went in knowing that yeah. Anna was his business. Mm-hmm. And then Jordan, still in the villa, got with Jordan. Like they were in bed together one the one night or something like that before she ended up going for Danny. So then there's the whole conversation to be had there, like oh. Did Jordan actually miss Anna or did he just get pied off? So we can talk about that in a second. But a lot of people are comparing Anna to Michael and that whole situation that's happening. And I find this interesting because I personally don't see it as the same situation. Because even Jordan, during the recoupling, when Caroline Flack was like, oh, and do you think she was loyal to you? He's like, I hope so. But at the same time, we didn't define anything before she left. So even Jordan acknowledges that. And Anna, you could see, did feel very guilty throughout her time in Castlemore because she was like, I really do hope that he's with someone else as well. Both for my own sake of feeling guilty, but also because I found someone new, I'd like for him to have someone new too. Mm. So she at least was recognizing throughout the couple of days that, you know, she was feeling guilty that yes, they didn't have anything set in stone, but that she still wanted him to be happy with someone, which I think is very mature because like I've seen people throughout the years kind of get with someone new and then get very pissy and jealous over the fact that their essential ex, because that's what we'll term Jordan as at the moment, gets with someone new. And so I think it's not even just like indicative of her age, but just also like of her mat- of like her maturity status. And I think the reasons why she went for Ovi are very fair. She said that they had like, really good chat and that they had a good connection and that age-wise that she could actually see a future with him and that even though she obviously enjoyed time with Jordan and said that she missed him that probably outside the villa that that wouldn't have been a relationship so I think her approach towards everything was very fair and I don't think that it was the same situation that Michael had with Joanna and Amber see this is where I get very uh, my my wires get crossed because for me it's actually I think it's quite a, it is quite a similar situation that she's gone over to Casa Amor, has found someone that she likes better than the person that she was coupled up with and has chosen to couple up with that new person. 
but I don't know. It's something about like what you said there. Her attitude was very different. And like, look, I think from anyone, I, no, I don't know. I think what actually the difference is, is that pretty much on the whole, everyone was like, Michael and Amber really, really worked together. I don't think there was very many people saying that Jordan and Anna really worked together. I think they were the type of couple that you see on the violins that get together, that they fancy each other and that they're both single and they both kind of, it's like a mutual sort of like, well, you're here and I'm here. We'll just see how this goes for a week or two. And then kind of the expectation is almost that we will decouple and recouple with someone else when a better match comes in for either one of us. So there's that element that you can't see that with Michael Amber. For all intents and purposes, Michael Amber seemed to work really, really well. And, you know, Michael was saying these things and then Castle Moore happened and then he just changed character totally. And you don't really see that with Anna. She didn't change who she was. It's not like she didn't come back smiling and giving it socks and cocky. She came back and she was, I think, hurt from Jordan that he hadn't coped up with someone, which, like you said, is a very mature way of looking at things even if it might be like come from a little bit of a selfish place, it still at least shows enough self-awareness that, you know, you want this person that you liked enough to be kissing and sharing the bed with to find someone that they equally like as much as you've found with this OV guy. But I just think to me, it's all about how they carry themselves. And I think Anna carried herself quite well. We can talk about how she dealt with Michael now in a minute, but with the whole George situation, I feel like, you know, that's what Love Island is. I feel like that's someone who played the game fairly well and okay look should she have been in like should she have been kissing that boy I mean it's a little bit more great than Michael and Amber because look Michael and Amber were pretty much boyfriend and girlfriend or at least you know that's how like there was never I think initially anyway once the Castle Martin happened there was no doubt that they were going to couple up and then just over the few days you were just like okay this Michael guy is just totally totally changed and like that the other difference is that Amber had no interest in any of the boys she didn't seem to be getting to know any of them she had no appeal she was happy with Michael that's not what happened with Jordan. Jordan was clearly intrigued by Jordan. And um, I think even Nabila at one stage he was kind of looking at, and they were both kind of not interested. And then he was like, well, actually I like Anna more than the, like that girl. And then this girl won't have me. So I'll just stick with what I have. That's not what happened with Amber. Amber was very much happy with what she had at home and wanted to come back and basically just continue what was already happening before the whole Castle Moore thing. Exactly. And then the other major difference for it as well is that Anna was very conscious as to how things would play out when she went back to the villa. She was actively thinking about like, oh, is Jordan going to be with someone else? But if Michael did think that, it was never edited in. So I don't know if it's a case of maybe he did and it was edited out so that the t- like it would be better TV because it kind of painted more as a villain. Or maybe he just full on didn't think about Amber's happiness and the whole thing because yes you go in for your own personal journey and your own personal success and love but at the same time it just kind of makes it seem like he just didn't care about her in the way that he was saying he did and I'm just I just think that that's pretty uh, below the belt thing in my eyes yeah no it's definitely shitty but what I will say is and we didn't mention this when we were discussing Amber is that I'm very proud of how she carried herself throughout that whole situation I think she handled it really well I think maybe I'm being a little bit biased because I always loved Amber. Amber came in day one and everyone hated her and I was like, no, Amber is, uh, like, everyone is going to love Amber. She's a real, she's trying to be funny. It's not coming across, but I'm telling you now, everyone's going to love her. I'm so happy she didn't cry in front of him. She even says it to him. She's like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to stand there and cry in front of you? And I'm, because that's why I didn't know whether she was going to come in and cry or she's going to go in and go crazy. And she kind of didn't do either of them. She came in and was clearly annoyed she was shocked as well. I think as much as she was trying to play it off, like she wasn't shocked. I think she was shocked. She didn't walk in there without a boy thinking that he was going to be standing there with a girl, regardless of how she might say after. She did not do that thinking that she was going to be single. There was no way. 
So I think she handled herself really well. I guess we can now talk about Anna versus Michael, which happened last night. Laura, you haven't seen this yet, but basically Anna kind of sticks up for her friend, and but now people are getting very much kind of like, oh, was she in the wrong? From my perspective, just to tie a little bow in that whole Anna conversation, she is very loyal to Amber, and I think the attitude that Michael was given off is really like kind of like little dick energy, and I'm glad that someone else kind of came up to him and was like, and did get catty with him, and was able to be kind of like, Michael's only defense is you're being childish, or you're being, <laughs> like, it's like, no, like, we're having it, you're after doing something now, and you can't now kind of dictate my reaction to what you've just done. I, people, that happens in real life too. You might do something or say something and then someone reacts to it. And then that person or you or that person tries to control that other person's reaction. That's not how the world works. Michael has made a decision. He needs to stand by it. He needs to recognize that it was probably not, I'm not going to say right or wrong thing to do. It's Love Island. There is no right or wrong, but it's at least a little bit shitty of what, what he's done. And not once did he even apologize. Not once did he say to Amber, look, I'm sorry I did that to you. And it was wrong. And then, you know what really, really, really annoyed me? Did you... Oh, no, this was last December. You wouldn't have seen that. So, it's basically, Tommy and Molly and Michael <gasps> are having a chat. Oh, don't ruin anything to do with Tommy and Molly on me. Oh, no, no, it's just a little conversation they have. Oh, thank God. So, Michael says to Tommy... Or, sorry, Michael says to Molly, oh, you're really annoyed at me. I can see that you looked at me, like, with disgust. And she was like, well, like, I'm really disappointed. I'm really annoyed. Like, you know, get him, Michael. Like, she was... She slept outside. And Tommy and Michael both jump in. And like, oh, he slept outside too. Now, he stepped outside for one night. The other two nights, he was in bed with this girl kissing the fucking face off her. Don't, like, let's not equate those two things. Like, Amber was outside on the day bed for three nights in the cold. Like, let's not equate Michael spending one night out there and then the next two nights kissing this new girl in the bed with Amber's staying outside literally on her own with, like, fucking shitty duvets on top of her. Like, that really annoyed me because I felt like it was really, like, not painting a full picture. Like, the full picture was he was in bed with this girl. This wasn't a cute thing that he did. He wasn't outside sleeping on the daybed, trying to, like, you know, not do anything with him. He fully jumped into bed with this girl and knew what he was doing. And, you know, like, no. And it's and that really annoyed me. No, that's nonsense. Because not only does it undermine the fact that Amber stayed loyal for all of her time in Castle and Moor, but it's not... I'm trying to think of, like, the, opti- like the, the opposite of victimizing. Because, like then he's trying to paint himself as a hero being like, oh I did it too it's like honey please you stayed out for one night because you couldn't figure out whether or not you wanted to be loyal <laughs> and then you just completely did a big old U-turn and you're like ah you know what it's better inside and I've this gal that I'm really interested in who will help me keep the bed warm so I'm gonna go do that instead but I did do my one night so at least I can have that street cred it's like no that's not how it works and it completely devalues what Amber did which was stay loyal to you to because even Look, even if he was going to go in and sleep with Joanna, he didn't need to, like, you know, wear the face off her for two evenings. Like, they could have just spooned. They could have they could have just stayed in bed together. Like, oh, I, yeah, hearing that now does bother me because I'm like, that's just, like, that's childish. If you yeah, ask me I, anything, that's And childish. this is the issue I have with Michael. I think he's actually, because he's older, I think he relies on this argument that if anyone else is doing something that doesn't agree with him, it's a childish way of doing things. And whether or not, there is a childish element to it, you can't rely on that argument all the time. So what? It's childish. Let's get to the main point of, you know, contention, which is you kissing this other girl when you were coupled up with my best friend or whoever, you know, like let, that's the issue, not us like being childish with each other. And I feel like drop that and let's cut, like, cut the bullshit and let's actually discuss the decision that you made, which the repercussions now you're afraid of addressing. And instead of doing that, you're just hiding behind this, well, I'm really mature and I'm not doing that. No, you're not as mature as you think you are. 
And also, you're not as fucking smart because if you were as smart as you were, you could use like more than the three words that you consistently used on the last like, three days. Like, I, I'm trying to think of those words. It was overlooked, bite my tongue. If I heard him say, bite my tongue one more time, I was going to throw my shoe at the television. I was literally like, are you actually serious? <laughs> Shut up biting your tongue. Like, what are you saying? Like, and literally, and Caroline Flack is even asking, like, what are you saying? He's like, oh, I overlook things and oh, I bite my tongue. Like, shut up, Michael. You're a mouth. Like, I, and I loved Michael. I would stand him. Like, I thought he was such a nice guy. And he's just fucked it. He really, really did put his foot in it. And it'll be interesting to see how the next few episodes, like, transpire and what's going to happen. And protect, particularly, like, for instance, again, I'm not too, like, familiar with the voting systems and everything. What would it be my first time watching it? But, like, I don't know if people like if the audience at home get a choice as to who gets to go home or if they like pit two couples against each other but like if it's put in a case that like for whatever reason michael's in a hot seat it's going to be very interesting to see how he fares very interesting the other couple that i think we should just briefly talk about we have you know we have droned on here but i just think it's unfair to not talk about them curtis and amy oh curtis and amy so Again, I want you to take lead on this because I will just give my little preamble of saying that I haven't been here since the start. So I know that they've been together since like day two or something. And I've heard ups and downs about their whole relationship that a lot of people think that they shouldn't be together, that they don't really fit, but they seem to be really enamored in thinking that they have this really good relationship. So what do you think, Al? Um, Well, first of all, I'd like to say that I'm so grateful that I don't have to deal with men in this type of way because we really are trash <laughs> Curtis is a douche I'm not being bad but I've always disliked Curtis Curtis was the one everyone liked because he's kind of like chatty he's campy he's funny he's very much like the kind of soul of the villa like if anyone has any issues he's there both positively and negatively and negatively for example yesterday in last night's episode Anna and Michael are having a bit of a row and all of a sudden Curtis shows up and even Anna looks at him and goes Curtis give us a minute like, fuck off, Curtis. This isn't your place. You're not the, like, king of the house. You don't need to be involved in everything. You've shown yourself now over the whole cast of morning that you're not as perfect as, you know, you might like to think that you are. So let us have this row. We're all adults here. Anna's 28. And I think Michael's nearly that as well, or 26 maybe. He could be 28 as well, actually. So, like, we can have a discussion without you having to be there and supervise like a fucking parent. So, literally, fuck off. Now, sorry, I got a bit heated there. So, my idea with Curtis and Amy is that First of all, do I think they match quite well? I actually do, but not to the point where they were making out that they were like literally this great couple. Like, no, they were never going to be like, look, Amy, I really didn't like Amy, but I feel so sorry for what's what happened. What's happened over the last couple of days where it was really unfair and I feel really bad for it. But, you know, in the long haul, maybe this was for the better that it happened now, as opposed to, you know, you kind of float through the entire experience thinking that you found, like literally she says it, that she was coming back to say to him that she loved him and he was cracking on with this other girl that didn't want him at the set, like simultaneously. And that's a shitty situation for anyone to be in. And I think I'm proud of how she handled things as well. I think she did it with more fire than I thought she had. And I just think Curtis needs to like either decide that he doesn't fancy Amy enough or, you know, just be more honest with her in general because there was this sort of whitewashing of their relationship and that it was everything was like peachy clean and perfect and they were so perfect together and that's not a real relationship and you know this little bump might be a bump or this could be the end of it it depends on how much i think see we don't know what curtis is thinking is he thinking i'm gonna couple up with amy but because i'm after offering myself to this other girl and she's literally had no she has no interest so i like the only one left is amy 
Do you know what I mean? Or is it actually that he does want to work on this and be like, okay, let's take a like take these rose tinted glasses off and actually, you know, address the issues that are in our relationship to make it work like long term. And we'll see where they go from here. We will. I did find it quite interesting in the recoupling when he's like, this is either going to make or break my relationship. And well, first of all, yes, exactly. It is going to make or break it. But he put Amy in a really awful position because now in fairness, I did understand where he was coming from, particularly like with his chats with Tommy and everything like that, where he's like, look, I'm trying to understand why I feel like there's something missing. I still don't understand that myself. And I did believe him. Now, maybe he could just be a very good actor, but for me, it came across very earnest that he didn't understand where this was all coming from. And I, yes, I know that he necked on with Jordan like a couple of times. I did appreciate the fact that he did stay outside at least every night because he's like, look, I'm not going to do a Michael on it and be like, oh, am I going to risk this entirely? Because I think it would have been even worse for Curtis and Amy than it would have been for Amber and Michael just because Amy seemed to be like literally head over heels. It was like discussing being in love with him in Casa Amor. Like I was, I was really taken aback, but I'm looking forward now to watching last night's episode because I obviously only got to see the teaser of her of her kind of being like, I was going to tell you I loved you and I came back. So I can't wait to see what really happened. He's not on the top of my trash list at the moment is what I'll say. I do think there are worse people in in the place, for instance, Michael. And sorry, I cannot stand Danny. Oh. Danny is the worst human being to exist. I hate him. He's just, oh, he's the, he's the definition of trash. Oh, so. see, I don't really mind Danny. I think he's irrelevant, but I hate Anton. And I can't wait everyone to think that Anton is this cute little boy. No, he's not. Anton is, again, a fucking douchebag who came in thinking he was going to be the best looking one and was going to have all the girls. And that didn't work out. So then he tried to make it out that he was Mr. Nice Guy and he was everyone's friend. No, fuck that over too. Then he got with this girl. No, fuck that. He literally, every decision that he's been given to make, he makes the wrong choice. So that guy is a douchebag. And the sooner we all get on this board, it's like, we hate Anton Train, the better. Because I'm telling you now, that guy is not good news. So he's probably my number two, Michael number one, and then Curtis is number three. Interesting. I suppose, because again, I haven't seen Anton since the get-go. So I've only seen this cutesy Anton. And I do like him because I find that he's just kind of a bit dopey. So he's very endearing. But I've looked back on like stuff to do with Danny. Like the way how Danny has treated women throughout this whole experience with like being with you one day and being like oh I don't think you actually realize how much I like you when she was like if someone came in tomorrow would your head be turned he's like I don't think you realize how much I like you and then sorry Arabella comes in he's like bye bitch "Eh, see ya (laughs) see ya later and then Arabella goes and he's like oh well like I don't know what I'm gonna do now like that would have been a thing if I wasn't here like how am I gonna cope and then Jordan comes in and he's just like hey how's it going and I'm just like, oh, you're so trashy. Because yes, again, I know that maybe I'm not being entirely fair because the name of the game is to go in and, you know, find love, etc. It's more just, he seems so fickle. And he just seems very like, you know, there's like, so there's like fair weather friends. Well, he's like a fair weather boyfriend. Like he's there in, in the moment and then he's gone. And I'm just, I'm not here for him at all. So I think, oh, he's nearly number oh, one wow. on trash level with me. He's probably like, yeah, he's probably, like, there's the duality between himself and Michael, so I'm not here for it. Curtis, like, still isn't the worst I've seen. Again, I know I'm, I'm fresh eyes, but, yeah. What I will say, because I want to take the note off of Trash before we finish this all up, Tommy and Molly are oh, my so cute. Everything. Yeah, so cute. They are my everything. Him oh, holding my God. that element oh. in the recoupling 
Oh my god. So cute. Yeah, we kind of love them too. And I always liked Molly. Everyone kind of hated Molly initially, but I actually think Molly's a really nice person. I didn't like Tommy, but now he's shown himself to be, I think, a really, really nice guy. And I'm very happy for them. I hope it continues to go the way it's going. So do I, because like they're so young. I didn't realize that they were the youngest in the villa. And yet they seem to have the most straightforward and wholesome relationship out of everyone. And I'm so here for it. And I only hope the best for them. And regardless as to whether or not that they work outside, like the fact that they are so enamored with each other now and are so on the same page. I love it. We love it. So I guess we can wrap that up there. So this has been our 14th episode am I, am I are we right in saying that like you know yeah. 14th episode. let's hope we're right this time we might have to edit or like you know you know retract the 14th episode in our next episode when we discover it's actually like our 17th or something but no for all intents and purposes <laughs> this is our 14th episode it's been a wild ride i feel like we've hit all our major talking points and i hope you've enjoyed listening guys um laura anything from you Yes, guys, just thanks for tuning in as always. If there's anything in particular that you want to hear or any feedback, you know that we love it. Um, people seem to really enjoy the Taylor Swift episode, so let us know if there's a particular artist or or anyone that you'd like us to delve into in another week's episode. But for the moment, I think it's an hasta luego, see you next week type situation. So Alex, sign us Perfect. off. So guys, we will be back either next week or the following week. We'll sure... Be sure to keep you updated with our Twitter account at ITTO Podcast, which of course you can follow, DM us, all that jazz, or on our personal Instagrams or on our personal Twitters, wherever you want. We will be very open to your feedback. And yeah, we will talk to you soon.